Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, victory belongs to Jesus. Hallelujah. One of my favorite passages, and I think my dad's favorite passage, he would quote it often. We know the part that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But the preceding passage says, this is the victory by which you overcome the world. Amen. Greater is he that is in me. Amen. I don't overcome because of my intellect. I don't overcome because I have all the answers. I overcome because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. You're of God, little children. Hallelujah. And you've overcome this world. Greater is he. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 46. Amen, Brother Junior, what a great word. I tell you what I like, what you can tell, great preaching. Great preaching makes preachers want to preach. Amen. Now, I want to I preach after that. Amen. I, my wife said, you need to tell everybody about your first sermon. I said, I don't think I do. I told you all, I think the last time that... That was actually the one I taught where my dad asked me to teach on oneness. And so I looked up every, I, I turned, you know, in the back of your Bible, they got that little concordance back there. And I turned to the word one, and I wrote every verse down there that said one. Amen. The, the, the scripture where it said Noah put one dove out of the ark, I, that was part of one. I was proving the oneness of God because one dove went out of the ark. Uh, but my first full sermon. The title of it, you're not ready for this. Brother Junior, your title was much better. I'll just say that. My, my first title was, there are, there are no ice cream trucks in hell. Amen. See, and that was, I think that was the response that night, too. There was a lot of laughter. <laughs> I've worked on getting the title. Valerie said the first message that she ever heard me preach was, there's a rumbly in my tumbly. Brother Jones, I think I just saw you shake your head. Is that what I just saw? <laughs> so the point is, amen, there, there's room for improvement, amen. All right, enough of that. I'm, I'm, hopefully tonight's title will be a little bit better. Amen. Genesis chapter 46, verse 31. Genesis 46 and 31. And Joseph said unto his brethren, unto his father's house, I We'll go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren in my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And this is what Joseph is saying, I'm going to say unto Pharaoh. He said, I'm going to tell them the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle. They have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And then he says to his brethren, here's what you say. It'll come to pass when Pharaoh will ask you, what is your occupation? 
He says, this is what you say. Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers. He said, tell tell Pharaoh that you're shepherds, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Amen. Tell tell Pharaoh that you are shepherds, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, because every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And then Jeremiah 3 and 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. And I want to preach for, I'm not going to be long tonight. Uh, Maybe. I I don't, unless the Lord anoints my voice, it's already starting to struggle a little bit. I don't feel like it's going to be a super long sermon. But I want to preach for a little bit tonight on the curse of the shepherd. Amen. The curse of the shepherd. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. And first of all, I will be up front and honest with you and tell you that I don't even know why I'm preaching this. I tried, I tried to get away from preaching this. God spoke this word to me a few weeks ago, and I've tried, since he did, I've jotted down some notes here and there, and as I think ministers do when God starts speaking to you, you kind of file it away for trying to figure out when God's going to give you direction to, to minister that. And, uh, I, you know, I, I thought perhaps, you know, this is going to be something I'll preach in another church. Um, and I'll explain why I would feel that way in a moment. But the second thing, and I know the, some of you young ministers, the, the video that I sent you, the training video, uh, you know, one of the things that I told you is uh, the, that, that as the Holy Ghost prepares a sermon within you, he'll, my experience is that he'll give you a vision of how the church, he'll let you see how the church is going to respond to that preaching. That you'll have some idea as you're preaching or as you're preparing that there is a specific way the church is supposed to respond to this message. That helps the message to be delivered with clarity. But I, honestly, I don't know how, I don't know, I, didn't, I don't have any vision of how you're going to respond to this tonight. Um, I, I, and and, and I, I really don't like preaching without some idea as to the kind of response that God is expecting. Because when I know the response that God is expecting, I can go with confidence in that direction. Second point that I would say is I, I believe that what I'm going to preach tonight uh, it could come across as self-serving. And I think that will make sense as I go. But when, when God gave me this word again, I thought perhaps he had given it to me for some other congregation. And I, I believe this will be something I'll preach in other churches at some point. Uh, But I'm confident that God did give me this word, at least for tonight, to be preached here. Which, at some points, may be awkward, but here we go anyhow. So I want to preach again for just a a little while tonight on the curse of the shepherd. And I want to turn our attention to the portion of scripture that we read in Genesis chapter 46. And beginning in verse 31. Genesis chapter 46 is... Uh, just one chapter removed from where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 45 is where uh, Joseph says to his brothers, I am Joseph. I am the guy, you might remember me, last time we saw each other, you threw me in a pit and left me there to die. Now, it could have gotten real awkward, 
uh, Joseph was merciful. Joseph said, what you meant to me for evil, God meant to me for good. Amen? But we are just one chapter removed from that where Joseph has uh, shared the revelation with his brothers that he is still alive. And now as famine is coursing through the land and Joseph is aware that God allowed all that to happen to bring him to the place that he is in because now as God has given Joseph the ability to interpret the dream of Pharaoh and we know that dream was a dream of seven well, uh, well tended to calf being eaten by seven lean calves, seven fat calf being uh, devoured by seven lean and seven uh, very healthy ears of corn being swallowed by seven decimated ears of corn. And, of course, Joseph, God, again, gives to Joseph the ability to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. And the interpretation was that there will come seven years of plenty that will be followed by seven years of famine. And this was more than just, uh, you know, a good word on a Sunday morning that gives us confidence to make it through the week. This was a word that would give wisdom and, and Pharaoh would turn to Joseph and say, I'm going to put you over this vision that God has given to me and that you have been able to interpret. It's, it's in your hands now to make sure that we save in the seven years of plenty so that we can endure the seven lean years. Amen. And I want to tell somebody that you never know in your years of plenty, in, in those times of plenty, you never know when there's going to be a time of want. Amen. And so when there is a move of God taking place in your life, I just want to say get everything that you can. Amen. Don't leave anything on the bone. Don't, don't leave anything on the tree. Get everything that you can because it's what you're able to get in the times of plenty that are going to be what holds you through the times of famine. Amen. And so Joseph has interpreted the dream through his wisdom. Egypt has been able to set aside in the seven years of plenty. And now there are reservoirs and there are barns filled with plenty. And now from all across, all of the other lands are also dealing with the same famine and they begin to come to Egypt because they've heard that there is corn in Egypt. Amen. That there is food in Egypt. And so Joseph's family, Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers began to come as well. And, and, and all of this has transpired and now leading up to, in chapter 46, leading up to the portion that we're going to pick up with has been the reunion of Joseph and his father Jacob. It's the first time that Joseph has seen his father Jacob since the morning that he left to take his brother's food out there in the wilderness. Since the morning that would end with Jacob or Joseph rather being thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery, that was the last time that he had seen his father Jacob until this moment. And now after the emotional reunion, Joseph tells his family, he says, before we move into this land, he said, I'm going to go to Pharaoh and I'm going to talk to him first and I'm going to tell him that you are shepherds and that you're bringing your livestock with you. Now, undoubtedly, the, the brothers of Joseph were aware that the Egyptians viewed the Israelites or rather the, 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 the shepherds as an abomination. And Joseph understands that it might be their inclination to hide their true nature and not be honest with who they really were, amen, but but Joseph is encouraging them, don't be ashamed 
of being a shepherd. Don't be ashamed of your identity. And I think there's a lot of little pit stops we could take tonight, but I want to say in this hour where it might seem like there would be convenient times for us to deny our identity as one God apostolics, amen, where there might be times in your life where it would be convenient for you to, de to deny your true identity. I want to say there's a blessing in your identity, amen. There's a blessing in not being ashamed of who you are. So he says, I'm going to, so just so you know, so you don't try and tell Pharaoh something different, I'm going to tell him that you're shepherds. And then he says, when Pharaoh asks you what your occupation is, don't tell him that you're treehouse builders. Don't, don't tell him that you're, you're, that, you're how, that you're brick makers. Don't tell him that because he already, I've already told him what you're going to be. You need to be honest with Pharaoh and tell him that you are shepherds, that you are keepers of the livestock. And he says, here's why. Because when Pharaoh hears this, he's going to cause you to live separate from the Egyptians. When Pharaoh hears that you are shepherds, he's going to give you this land called Goshen. He, he's going to put you in the choice land of Egypt. He's going to put you in the green pastures of Egypt. He's going to give you the choicest land called Goshen. Because, because the shepherds are an abomination in Egypt, he said Pharaoh will do anything to make sure that you stay separate from Egypt. Because every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. The Egyptians hate shepherds. Now perhaps you've already figured out the parallel tonight that I'm going to make, but the Bible refers in the scriptures to the role of a pastor as a shepherd. Amen, that the Bible tells us that in the New Testament, the five-fold ministry, the pastor is to perform the work of a shepherd. Amen. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, where we read, and the Bible, the prophet Jeremiah said, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, before there was a five-fold ministry of the pastor, that Jeremiah said that I will give you pastors after my own heart. And that word that is used there for pastors is the same Hebrew word that is used in Psalms chapter 23, when we read, the Lord is my shepherd, it's the same word. Amen. In, in, the, in, in the first of his letters, the apostle Peter writes to the leaders of the pastors of the churches. And he writes in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, he says to the pastors, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. He said, feed them, not because somebody's making you. Amen? And, and, and feed them, not by constraining them, but, but feed them so that they're willingly eating of what you're providing them. And then he goes on and says, don't do it for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Don't, don't let the reason that you're doing what you do be just so you can make a, a great living. Don't let it be so that, you know, you can live in a 10-story mansion driving three or four cars and flying a private jet around the world. And, and you know, if y'all feel led to bless me with that, that'd be all right. But, but he said, don't let that be the reason. That I, I was a joke, okay? Some of you got nervous. I was kidding. But he said, don't let that be the reason that you do what you do. But be, a, be, ready, be of a ready mind. Be listening to what God is going to speak so that you can feed the people. 
He goes on in verse 3 and says, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. He said, don't walk in like you own the place. Don't walk in like you're the man and this is my church and look what I've done. He said, don't walk in like that. This isn't your heritage. It's God's heritage. But he said, here's how I need the pastors. Here here is how I need the shepherds to live. I need you to be an example to the flock. Amen. And every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptian. Let me first pause here and say that in 2021, Egyptians still hate shepherds. Amen. In 2021, Egyptians have not changed the way that they feel about shepherds. I'm not talking about that country over there in the Middle East. Egypt was a type in the Bible of the world. Egypt is a type of the world. Not the world from the standpoint of the globe and all the nations, but the systems of this world. And let me tell you that the systems of this world hate every shepherd. This world hates your shepherd. The system of this world hates the shepherd in your life. It will do anything and everything in its power to separate you from the shepherd in your life. The system of this world knows as long as you have a shepherd in your life, you will dwell in Goshen. Amen. I'm going to say that again. The systems of this world know that as long as you have a shepherd in your life, you will dwell in a land of Goshen. I'm not going to preach a long sermon about Goshen tonight, but if you just do a little quick glance at Goshen, I would tell you Goshen was a special place. Amen. Goshen was a place that had the favor of God upon it. When Moses went into back into Egypt and began to declare to Pharaoh, let my people go. Those first three plagues, the Bible tells us everybody experienced the first three plagues. But it was after the first three plagues that God said, now I'm going to put a difference. I'm going to let you know that Egypt and the world and the church are not the same. I'm going to let you know that the world and the church are not the same. And so the Bible says that that fourth plague, flies began to infest Egypt everywhere they went. My dad reads this fourth plague, and he begins to go out. Some of y'all know how my dad feels about flies. If there were one fly loose in this building, he'd put this microphone down and go after that fly. I remember for one of his birthdays, I think it was his 40th, the church got him a giant fly swatter with this giant fly. Uh, it wasn't a real one, but squashed on that fly swatter he hates flies uh, but and so I know my dad would have had to live in Goshen because in Goshen while there were flies everywhere in Egypt there weren't any flies uh, in Goshen uh, because Goshen is a place of favor and the enemy knows as long as you've got a shepherd in your world uh, you're going to live in Goshen As long as you've got a pastor in your life, you're going to live in Goshen. You're going to dwell in the place of God's favor. (laughs) 
The fifth plague comes and the livestock throughout Egypt, their sheep and their cattle begin to fall over dead. But over in Goshen, the sheep are still walking around singing, bad, bad, black sheep, have you any wool? Uh, Amen. Over there in Goshen, uh, the the cows are walking around mooing. Uh, Amen. Everything's fine in Goshen on the fifth plague. Uh, Everything's dying in Egypt, uh, but everything's thriving in Goshen. Uh, And the enemy knows as long as you've got a shepherd in your life, uh, while everything is dying in Egypt, you're going to be thriving in Goshen. And the sixth plague comes into Egypt, and the Bible says boils come upon them in Egypt. Uh, Boils, if you never had a boil, you don't ever want, I'm not talking about 213 degrees water on the stove. Uh, Amen. When when we we were younger, I won't say who, but one of my siblings had an outbreak. They got a staph infection. They had boils all over. And I just remember how pain, I remember the screams coming out of the other room. Anyway, you don't want to know what had to happen, but it was not good. And over in Egypt, there's pain and there's misery and there's suffering and there's sorrow. But over in Goshen, there's laughter and there's joy. And the enemy knows when you've got a shepherd in your life, you're going to be living in Goshen. When the rest of the world is weeping and mourning, there's going to be joy and breakthrough in Goshen. Joseph said, make sure you tell Pharaoh that you're a shepherd because if you tell him you're a shepherd, he's going to put you in Goshen. Some of you all that want to be the Lone Ranger, you don't want a pastor in your life. You want a preacher, but you don't want a pastor. Amen. You want permission, but you don't want a pastor. I'm going to tell you, when when the boils come to Egypt, they're going to find your house. When the flies invade Egypt, they're going to find you. What you need is not a preacher. You need a pastor. I told you this might sound self-serving tonight, but I'm too far into it now to change my mind anyhow. I want to thank God that he gave me a shepherd in my life. I want to thank God that he gave me a pastor. And when that next plague came, there was hail in Egypt. The Bible says the hail began to come down. That's H-A-L-E. Amen. Not the other one that you might have been thinking. The hail came down in Egypt. And the Bible says it destroyed their crops. It destroyed the corn. It destroyed the wheat. It destroyed everything they had planted. Amen. There's nothing like working hard to plant and watering and taking care of the crops. Am I right, Brother Jones? And then you walk out there and there's nothing left to tell of all the work that you did. But over in Egypt, they were lamenting a harvest season. But over in Goshen, they're picking corn off the off the stalks. They're picking fruit off the vine because that's what happens when you got a shepherd in your life. Make sure you tell Pharaoh that you've got a shepherd in your life. Make sure you let Pharaoh know that you've got a shepherd. Some of y'all been afraid to let the devil know. You need to let the devil know I've got a pastor. You need to let the devil know I got a man of God. Locusts came into Egypt and whatever the hail hadn't destroyed, H-A-L-E hadn't destroyed, the locusts ate whatever was left. Am I saying? I'm sorry, see that? I hooked on phonics, H-A-I-L, sorry. 
I don't, is there H-A-L-E, another one? I don't know. Anyway, it, it ain't the other one that you might have been thinking of. H-A-I-L, thank you. I was just making sure y'all were paying attention. <laughs> Whatever that stuff that comes out of the sky had not destroyed, the locusts ate whatever was left. But over in Goshen, there were no locusts. The cicadas, we're in the summer of the cicadas, I heard they're supposed to be coming our way. Amen, I don't know. Amen, maybe we're in Goshen, maybe they'll skip us, amen. Amen, that final plague, gross darkness. The Bible says gross darkness consumed Egypt. A darkness that was so thick that they couldn't see their hand in front of their face. A darkness that was so thick that they couldn't see anybody passing by. A darkness that was so thick that even if you lit a candle, it wouldn't give any illumination. It was a supernatural darkness over in Egypt. Can you imagine living in those circumstances where nothing that you light gives illumination? But over there in Goshen, there's light. Over there in Goshen, there's light in their tents. Over there in Goshen, there's a... Can I tell somebody you ought to thank God you got a shepherd in your world? Because when the rest of the world is stumbling in darkness, there's light in Goshen. And I like it because the final of the plagues, the firstborn son... I don't like that, but I like the way it works out. The, the, the typology all comes together in that final plague. As throughout Egypt on that night, the death angel comes through the land. And the firstborn son in every house in Egypt is taken. But what was it that brought salvation? It was the blood of a what? It was the blood of a lamb. How do you still have lambs over there in Goshen? Because we still have shepherds. Amen. Your salvation is attached to the shepherd in your life. Amen. Your salvation is connected. Let me tell you how you're going to have blood to put on the doorpost and the mantle. It's because you didn't fire your shepherd. It's because you didn't get rid of your pastor. I'm sure there have been some Sundays where you wanted to fire me. Amen. Thank God. I think it takes a two-thirds vote to get rid of me. I don't think I've ever been that bad to make two-thirds of you mad at me. I'm sure there have been some Sundays that you wanted to find you another pastor, another shepherd. Uh, but I'm just going to say, stay with me right now. Uh, stay with me, church. We're going somewhere. Uh, amen. We got blood to put on the doorpost and the mantle because we've got shepherds in our lives. Uh, come on, Goshen. You ought to celebrate. And every Egyptian hates the shepherd. This world hates your shepherd. This world hates your pastor. It is an abomination to the world that you are submitted to a man of God. Joseph said, make sure you tell him because I'm telling him first. Because Joseph knew our team. You're what? I'm passing Submitted to a man. I'm submitted to godly authority. And there's a, a stigma that comes with that, that our world hates that stigma. 
Amen. Sometimes we're afraid to let our world know that we believe in godly authority, that we believe in submission. Sister Sylvia talked about it last Sunday. Amen. But there's a blessing in Goshen. And the only way you're going to get to Goshen is if you tell Pharaoh, I've got a shepherd in my life. Amen. I've got a shepherd in my life. I've got a man of God that I'm submitted to. There are multiple, couple, I should say, reasons and understandings that culturally would explain why Egyptians hated shepherds. And, and let, let me add, just before I get into that, the presence of a shepherd in your life should lead you to live separately than Egypt. Amen. If you really have a, a shepherd in your life, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel welcome in Egypt. Amen. Amen. If you really got a man of God that's preaching the word of God in your life, you, all, you, you won't be able to fit in. If you try to go back to Egypt, Pharaoh's going to stand up and say, you don't belong here. Anybody ever tried to backslide? And you went back to the world and you learned, man, I, I don't even cuss good. I tried and it don't. This is just us right now, right? I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. You tried to backslide, and you weren't even good at sinning when you tried to go back to the world. And Pharaoh was like, who are you? Right? I mean, Peter tried it in the Gospels, right? He tried to cuss, and the lady was like, no, you can't fool me. You're one of them. I, I know you sound just like Jesus. And Peter's like, I can prove I'm not. And he lets one go. He starts cussing, trying to prove he's not with Jesus. But he, he can't even, when he tries to get into Egypt, Pharaoh says, you don't belong here. And the presence of a shepherd in your life should lead you to live separately from this world. Listen, if you, if, if, all, if your walk with God is just a Sunday high, where you come in and dance and shout and you feel motivated and lift up, but you have no problem walking back into that world on Monday and living like the rest of this world. You don't really have a shepherd in your life. You've got a motivational speaker. I don't want a motivational speaker. I want a shepherd. I want a shepherd. I want a pastor. I want you to feel good on Sunday, but I want you to walk right on Monday, and I want you to talk right on Tuesday. Amen. I, I want to be that annoying voice in the back of your head when you're trying to sin. When all the girls invite you on a little getaway trip and all your homeboys invite you on a little getaway trip and you know they're going to be doing things you ought not be doing. I want to be that little voice in the back of your head saying you know you don't have any. And if you can walk past that voice, I'm just a motivator in your life. But if that voice stops you and says, I can't go there, then you've got a shepherd. Then you've got a pastor. Somebody help me. I'm almost done. Help me for just a minute. There are multiple understandings as to why Egyptians hated shepherds. The first reason that Egyptians hated shepherds was simply a societal class issue. You see, Egyptians were cultured. 
They walked to the pulpit with the button button. They probably would have had a pocket square. And I, got, I, I just, I don't, I have a hard time making those match. So that's why I don't have one. They were cultured though. They, they drank sparkling water. Yeah, I mean, that's, we're, we're really moving it up a notch there. They were dignified and civilized, whereas shepherds were uncultured and nomadic. Right, shepherds were just kind of unkept and smelled like sheep. And, and the Egyptians hated shepherds because they looked down on them. Amen, you're not as dignified as we are. Secondly, Egyptian culture, they were not meat eaters. They were vegan before vegan was cool. These were the guys who drank Kool-Aid with their pinky out. They, they didn't eat meat, study it. The Egyptian culture did not eat meat. They were vegetarians, vegans, whatever. And if you're a vegan, whatever, that leaves more meat for me, so have at it. <clears throat> Amen. God bless all y'all. I'm going to eat your ribeye and mine. And some of you, exactly what you're doing right now, it is what the Egyptians did. Barbarian. Those barbarians, they're so wild. And that's why they hated shepherds. Because they ate sheep. The Egyptians would raise small measures of flock, just a few, two or three cows they would raise. Just enough to get milk from the cattle. And just enough wool from the sheep, just a few of them. They didn't need a whole flock of sheep making all of that noise out in the backyard. They didn't need all that. They, they just wanted their life neat and in order. But these shepherds, these wild shepherds, these nomads came around them, and the Egyptians hated, shepherd, hated shepherds. Even today, our world does not understand the presence of a pastor in your life. Anybody ever tried to explain to your unsaved friends about your pastor? How'd that go? I'm sure they were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Can I get me one of those? No, they were like, what are you talking about? You let some man tell you how you should and shouldn't live? You let some man tell you where you should and shouldn't go? You let some man suggest to you, what you how you should and shouldn't dress? What are you talking about? Because Egyptians don't get shepherds. To the Egyptian, every shepherd is an abomination. And one of the synonyms of the word abomination is the word curse. You see, to the world, the shepherd is a curse. And each of the points that I have drawn out tonight are true and they are relevant. Amen. They are reasons that a shepherd is a curse to the world today. But I don't simply want to preach about the fact that to the Egyptian, every shepherd is a curse. But I also want to take it one step further for just a few minutes and preach to you about the curse of being a shepherd. I told you I wasn't going to preach long, and I'm going to hold to that. I also told you I don't know why I was preaching on this tonight, nor I have no idea what, how you're even supposed to respond to know if you did it right or not. Perhaps when I'm done, I'll just say amen, and we'll all go home. But turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 4. What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them? We're talking about the shepherd now. What, what, what kind of shepherd would you be if you 
had a hundred sheep and you lost one and you didn't go after that which was lost until he find it. I'm going to read that directly from the King James. If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that one that is lost until what? Until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. It's in this passage of Scripture in which Jesus, in this, in this chapter of Scripture in Luke 15, that Jesus uses three parables to hush the murmurings of Pharisees that complain about his compassion for sinners. They're murmuring. What kind of man is this that has lunch with sinners? What kind of man is this that cares about unsaved people? What kind of man is this? And the first of the three stories that Jesus shares describes the curse of the shepherd. What man having an hundred sheep, if he loses one, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness to go after the one that is lost. Can I tell you tonight, the curse of the shepherd is that 99 is never enough. Amen. No matter how full the church is, it's that one seat that is empty. I can tell you today, I know from 15 years of attempting to do this, that it is a curse sometimes to be a shepherd because no matter how great the service is, all you notice is that one person that's not there. No matter how many come to the altar, it's the only thing I notice is the one that slips out the back door without it is. And you might say, well, pastor, you shouldn't feel that. I can't help it. It's the curse of a shepherd. No matter how much of a blessing you might get, it's the one that leaves bothered. That's the only thing I can think about at night. It's the curse of the shepherd when I've got to leave the 99 because there's still one out there somewhere. No matter how many might pat you on the back and say, Pastor, I needed that. It's that one that sits there unimpacted by the word. That's, that's what I think about at night. It's not all those that leapt and jumped and shouted at the altar. Brother James, I thank God for your enthusiasm. But, but at night when I'm falling asleep, it's not Brother James taking a lap around the church. It's that one that didn't show up today. It's that one that wasn't there last Sunday. It's that one that I know needs a breakthrough. But service after service, they sit there unmoved on by God. What kind of shepherd are you if you don't leave the 99 to get the one and just from a practical sense I would ask you does it even make sense what the shepherd does does it even make sense to leave 99 sheep in a wilderness I know we tell the story he puts them in the pen he puts them in the sheepfold and Make sure that the door is latched. But the Bible doesn't say that. We might infer that. I mean, it, it, makes, it makes us feel better about the parable. It doesn't say that. It says he leaves them in the wilderness. He leaves the 99 in the wilderness because there's somebody out there. There's, some, there, there's one out there. That, this morning there are people that weren't here. And I thank God for everyone that came. Thank God for China that got baptized. But I just got to be honest and tell you, China's not what I've thought about all afternoon. It's that one. It's those that haven't been with us since COVID started. That's what I can't stop thinking about. It's those that, that haven't been logging on lately. That's all I can think about. And sometimes I feel bad. 
sad about leaving the 99, but I know there's one out there. It's the curse of the shepherd. If 99 are praising and worshiping, it's the one that sits in solitude. You can never really celebrate what God is doing in the 99 because you're so consumed worrying about the one. I've heard it said, I've even said it myself, don't focus on the negative. Don't focus. Look, there's so many that are for you. There's so many so many that are behind you. There's so many that believe in your vision, but I can't help it. It's the curse of the shepherd. All I can think about is the names of those that a year and three months ago they were with us every Sunday, but I have no idea where they're at now. Some left because they were a some left because they didn't feel safe and one by one they begin to drift away and now I can't even get in touch with them and I thank God the 99 are here tonight but I can't stop thinking about the one well, what do you want us to do pastor I don't know I don't know I don't know how you're supposed to respond tonight Amos 3 and 12 Stand with me. Thus saith the Lord. I've never seen this passage. I've seen it, I'm sure. I've read the Bible through many times, but I, this one, I've never really paused to think about until I prepared for this. And thus saith the Lord, as a shepherd taketh out of the mouth. Hallelujah. As a shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, the piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch. As a shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, the piece of an ear. What does that even mean? What it's saying is the shepherd fights for lost causes. There's no chance that, that lamb's it's never going to live again. All that's left is two legs. There's no lay, way that lamb is ever going to live. It's just a little piece of an ear in the mouth of the lion. And yet the lion, but the shepherd says, I'll fight. I'll fight for lost causes. I'll fight for, I'll fight for just a piece of an ear. I'll fight for just a remnant of what it used to be. I'll put my life on the line just, just to get the ear of that little lamb out of the mouth of that lion. We contrast that with the hireling John, that God speaks about in John 10. Jesus speaks and says the hireling, when the wolf shows up, the hireling runs. Because he doesn't care for the sheep. As I'm going to tell you right now, I'm here to fight for lost causes. Some of you may not understand it when I don't give up on people. You might not understand it why I still pray with people that have, have, have shown that they have no interest in serving God. They've demonstrated that they've got issues in their life and they, they aren't even interested in serving God. But I can't help it. It's the curse of a shepherd. I, I got to reach in the mouth of that lion and try. All I see are two little legs in there. But I'd rather get those legs out than let the devil have a victory over that little lamb. Hey, we got to start fighting for lost cause. Causes. 
Some of you in this building tonight, the enemy says you're a lost cause. I want you to know I fall asleep at night praying for you. I fall asleep at night thinking about that little piece, that remnant of what you used to be. And I say, God, I'll fight for them if nobody else will. 99, I'm sorry sometimes if you feel neglected, but I've got to go after the one. I can't help it. It's the curse. say to every lost cause in this house tonight it's not too late it's not too late to get a shepherd in your life I pry open in the spirit right now the mouth of that lion all of your dreams may have been torn to pieces you may not even feel yourself like there's anything anything worth fighting for I'm telling you I've committed myself to this cause and to this purpose and I will fight for you There may be others that look on from the outside and you don't understand why. Why would a shepherd fight? Why would you fight for two little lambs? It's not even a lamb. It doesn't even have a heartbeat. It has no chance of living again. Why? Why? Why why do we have altar call after altar call reaching for lost causes? I I can't help it. It's just the curse of a shepherd. It's just what a shepherd does when he hears a lamb out there in the field bleeding. It's what a shepherd does. He runs to that little lamb and he begins to try to reach and pull. I don't know how you're supposed to respond. All I know... There's one, there's somebody out here tonight, there's somebody in this building right now. Somebody here right now, I thank God for the 99, I thank God that you're victorious. But I'm here tonight to go after the one. Those those of you that sit there unmoved by the power of God, service after service, you're all that I can think about, I'm after you. I ask that one lamb, that one that is here tonight. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I I, I didn't know how this would go. I would far rather preach this for some other pastor because I know we all battle the same thing. I would, Brother Roberts, I prefer you preach this message, but I know God told me to preach it. So however self-serving you may feel it is, I don't care. I'm just doing what God told me to do. So I'm asking that one, would you come? Would you come to this altar? Would you get back in the sheepfold? Those of you that are joining online, I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss seeing you in the house of God. I miss hearing your worship. I would start naming names, but I don't want to offend anyone. I can't stop thinking about those that might have walked away in the last year because of take your pick of all the reasons maybe they're not here. That's all I can think about. Are there any other that have the heart of a shepherd tonight that would help me pray? You don't have to have the role of a pastor, but do you have the heart of a shepherd? Is there anybody here tonight that's not not willing to stop fighting for lost causes? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us 
every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.